Welcome to another episode of the Truck Show Podcast. I'm Lightning and he's Holman. So something tells me, Holman, you've got a surprise for me and it makes me uneasy. I got to be honest. Why do I have a surprise for you? Because on this show, Mm -hmm. we've got Milton Wong, the chief program engineer for the Ford F-150, which is awesome. And then we're going to get your email. Uh, We've got some reviews to talk about. Mm -hmm. And I think we're discussing... The Lightner designs the new box that is on top of your uh, Wrangler 392. But then there's something else that you were, weren't discussing with me, and I'm concerned. Why do you think there's something else I wasn't discussing with you? Because I just, I can see it. I've done over 350 episodes with you, and I know you're, it's you, not, you're, you've got something. That's really far. Really, that's a lot of episodes. It's a lot of episodes. What are you doing? Why are you going to the door? Why are you walking out of the door? Because I'm leaving the podcast. What? I don't understand. It's done! He just left. You want to do it by myself? It's going to be awful. Just kidding. I have a uh, present for you. Okay, wait. What? Because it was your birthday, and I bought this freaking weeks and weeks ago, and they were Uh out of stock at Amazon. Why are you... Oh, geez. This is heavy. And it it just came back and finally arrived last week. Wow. This has a happy birthday party paper all over it. It's the only paper I had. Well, I'm going to pretend like you You got it just for me. You almost had Christmas paper on there. Uh, I would have been fine with that. I was digging through. I asked my wife. I said, uh, is there birthday paper? She goes, yeah, and it was uh, Hello Kitty. Uh, that would have been funny. Pink unicorns. Also funny. Something with glitter, which I don't do glitter because okay. it gets everywhere. Have you ever been glitter bombed? Don't, it's the worst. Don't, we just I don't, won't do it to you? No. Okay. No. You uh, have daughters. I figured they uh, glitter bomb you. All the time. Okay. People will be oh, like, you have glitter on your face. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, it's all over our house because my, uh, my sister-in-law gave our daughter uh, something with a lot of glitter and it we literally threw it out. It got everywhere. And we're like, nope, this is done. Once it's in the carpet, oh, man. She doesn't realize they play the long game. And when she has kids, oh, yeah, that favor will be returned. Glitter bomb. 10X. Okay, so this is a uh, fairly good-sized box, and it's got some weight to it. Uh, you want me to open it on the air? Yeah, but that's it's why I gave it to you. It's not exploding, right? It's a glitter bomb. Oh, <laughs> that would be a full circle here. I'm not going to look at it. I'm just going to I'm gonna turn my head one way. I'm going to rip the paper off while I look the other way here. Here, look at the – turn your box around first. This this is turn it around this way. There you go. Okay. Build your good mood. Build your good mood. There's no way this comes. What? Build your good mood. Okay. Turn it this way. What is this? (gasps) What is this? So this is a one eighth scale model of a Mercedes G sixty three six by six. It's a Lego's knockoff, but it's three thousand three hundred pieces. Wow. So it's wow. It's this is what it looks like, by the way. Wow. That is so dope. Look at that. Oh, it's black on black on black. So it's a murdered out six by six wannabe Lego truck. So, dude, I almost got you a Cybertruck, and then I decided, no, that's too cliche. Do they have a Cybertruck version of this? Yeah. Well, not this particular one. Okay. But uh, that's what you almost got. I went, nah, that's too easy to build. And then I saw this one. It's got like roll bars and opening doors and all sorts. I'm like, oh, dude, this that's going to take him like four weekends. This is amazing. You're just, you, you want me to take time off the uh, the pod? Yeah. And uh, just do this? Yeah, because you need R&R. Yeah. Because you haven't done anything for yourself. So uh, you that need is, that is true. You basically need to build this for yourself and drink a lot of sour ales. Wow. Dude, thank you very much. Where are you going? Okay. He's going over to the, uh, you got a Dr. Pepper over here. Why are you in the fridge? What's he getting something? (gasps) You got me sours. No way. Orbital Experimental Sour Orange Julius. And it's quitting time. Strawberry daiquiri. All right, so drink those while you, uh, well, you drink them now if you want, but drink them while you're doing your 3,300 piece uh, 
Well, according to the Amazon listing, black pickup G63 6x6. There's got to be a lot of pieces in there. I mean, you said over 3,000 yeah. because it weighs a ton. Yeah, what do you think that weighs, that box? Uh, 22 pounds. <laughs> I don't know. how. I have no idea how much it weighs. I, I mean, it's, it's pretty heavy. It's over 20 pounds. You think, I think so? Uh, no, maybe it's in the 15-ish. All right. What do you think? Yeah, That's it's pretty heavy. Yeah, pretty heavy. Dude, thank you very much. Shake my hand. Thank you very much. That's a great gift. I appreciate there that. There you go. And I feel uh, like a complete douche because I gave you a, a calendar with- uh, Wieners on it? <laughs> wieners. Natural occurring wieners. Well, yeah, but that, that, was for, in, that was for Christmas. This is for your birthday. Yeah, that's very, that's very nice. So, okay, wow. Uh, All lighting right. turned 58 this year. I'm not 58, dude. 57. No, I'm not 57. <laughs> I mean- I'm not that old. That, I'm not that it. old. You yeah. said it. I'm not 57. Are you over 50? <laughs> Remember? No, yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe. Can we start the show now? Yeah, we can. Just, uh, yeah. yeah. What what old guy do you know you, that loves Legos like I do? I know you weren't expecting a present. I'm going to spend tonight, all you? of Sunday drinking my sour. No joke. When I wake up, crack the sour. Yep. Get drunk and do Legos until the sun goes down. You should. That's my plan. Are you going to sit in the backyard or in the house? Mm, it's been pretty cold. We've had a cold snap. It's been, it's been in the 50s. I know you guys are like ah oh, 50s. It's uh, been cold out here, uh, and that's cold to us. I have to get a Dr. Pepper, sorry. Okay. The, uh, this morning when I took my kid to school. Yep. 38, which for being by the beach in Southern California is it's pretty, frosty. pretty damn cold. Yeah, that's frosty. We had a frost alert, didn't we, a couple days ago? We had a frost alert. We had massive swells that came in and washed out a bunch of people's living rooms and all sorts of stuff. It's uh, it's earthquake. There are guys just clowning us right now, like, are you serious, 38? That's it's why th- minus 38 where I well, am. Well, that's why I threw an earthquake. It's like, oh, how do you like the cold now when the ground's shaking, sucker? Yeah, that's 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 true. All right, uh, enough for uh, uh, promoting people that don't uh, <laughs> advertise with the uh, Truck Show Podcast. So before we start the show, i got to thank our buddies over at Nissan. And right now I've been driving a Nissan Frontier Pro 4X, which has been great. Uh, I've put almost 1,000 miles on that thing in the last three weeks. been driving it everywhere. And How uh, do you like the suspension? That's one thing you haven't told me about. Yeah, it's got uh, Bill Steins on it. This is a Pro 4X, um, and it it's great. It's around town, it's awesome. It's just, it, it rides nice. It's super comfy. Like, the seats are super comfy. Love the zero gravity. You can wheel it into a uh, parking space real easy. It's like you forget when you're driving a full-size truck, like, how much work it is. And then you get in the midsize, you're like, oh, yeah, this is, like, this is super easy. Got and then the, uh, Got the million-dollar question for yep, you. Yep. How does it fit through the Wiener Schnitzel drive-thru? I haven't taken through Wiener Schnitzel yet. What?! It's uh, it fits fine through In and Out, fits fine through Farmer Boys, uh, even fits fine through Wendy's, but I haven't been through uh, the Wiener one yet. Okay. All right. Uh, if you want, if you're looking for a new truck, uh, head on down to your local Nissan dealership. Check out the Frontier, or of course, you can always check out the Titan or Titan XD, the industry's best warranty, five year, one hundred thousand miles. Or you can go over to your website browser and type in HTTP. No one does that. Colon slash slash www.nissanusa.com. Don't you hate when people say like www? Like, dude, just type it into the browser. Just just the words. You don't need the dubs. You don't need the nissanusa.com. Exactly. And if you're looking for a really good looking exhaust that reduces the back pressure so it takes the strain off your engine and you get a few more MPG and a little bit more power, look no further than bankspower.com where you're going to find a four inch or five inch monster exhaust. It comes with the patented sidekick tip. It reduces back pressure, which you can measure all the way back to the head of the piston. It means more power. So if you got a diesel, head over to bankspower.com, type in your year, make, and model, and find the Banks Monster Exhaust for your rig. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck, because truck rides with The Truck Show. We have the 
lifted. We had the lowered and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline. The truck show, the truck show, the truck show. Oh, oh. It's the truck show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. I, uh, I opened the Legos. I'm sorry. I just had to have a peek. Uh, listen, if you lose any pieces in here and I step on them when I'm in the studio barefoot, I'm going to I'm gonna make you clean no, up your No, no, they're, they're all in bags. I just wanted to see the instructions. It's uh, it's impressive. I can't wait to I'm start. not giving them back to you. Give what back to me? All the pieces that you leave behind. I'm not leaving There's any pieces. There's 3,300 pieces. No, you're going to have a trail going the, from here to your truck. They're all shrink-wrapped in bags. I'm not right. taking those out. All I just right. wanted to see the instructions. You just want, yeah, and you wanted to see if they look like Lego pieces and weren't like cheap Chinese. No, they are. Actually, I've heard, it's funny because I've been looking uh-huh. at Lego it has been, I mean, when you and I were kids, yeah, they released a Lego set like once every six months. Yeah, Pretty now they do it like once between. every other day. And now they're doing all the, the Bugatti, you can get a Ferrari, well, my kids and got this Porsches one, and all that stuff. I think it's one eight scale is what I said, but uh, this is basically the equivalent of a Lego Technic set. So it's got all the moving things and funny shaped pieces. It's got roll bars on it and, and the, suspension the, that moves. So this company, and which is Knifeless? 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 Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it, but um, they are coming out, they're basically filling in all the gaps that uh, Lego doesn't have. Yeah. So... They're doing a lot of four by fours, stuff like that. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm stoked. Since we're talking about four by fours, can we jump into some hot F one fifty action? Well, we've got uh, Milton Wong, the chief program engineer for the Ford F one fifty, standing by. So uh, I think it's time we should give him a call. Hello, hi Sean. Hey, how's it going, Milton? What's happening? It's lightning too. Well, yeah, we don't care about that guy. Hey, no, hold on a second. (laughs) Good to have you on the phone. Last time I saw you was uh, in Detroit when you were uh, showing us the cool new tailgate when we were walking around kind of the uh, the media preview of the F one fifty. Hold on a second. You can't just jump in without the intro. Hold just all right. Well, we got an intro for you. All right, here we go. So we should start with what he does. So what does chief program engineer mean to a layperson who's listening to uh, to the interview? Well, it means that I get the great honor to lead a great group of men and women and our great engineers to put together F-150, right? So the whole kit and caboodle, right? So from concept uh, all the way through uh, production. And, um, you know, so the chief program engineer is more than just an engineering position. Um, it's really looking at the entire business and kind of orchestrating all the cross-functional units within Ford to deliver our, you know, a product program to, to market. So you're working with so product a, planners. You're working with uh, oh, yeah. all of the engineers who are responsible for yeah. each aspect of the truck, and you're working with the bean counters to make sure that all the things that you guys decide you want to get into <laughs> the truck can, <laughs> can actually happen. They are me in check all the time, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, they... I saw the new truck, and you guys packed a lot of new tech into that that could not have been uh, an easy fight to get all of that into the new truck. Well, you know, at Ford Motor Company, I mean, we take a lot of pride uh, with F-150, right? And we do what it takes to keep the crown, uh, to win the crown, to innovate really for our customers, right? And that's what it's all about. And uh, 
our bean counters understand that, right? It's lifeblood of the company, right? It's it's what funds everything. So what you're saying is you get a little bit more leeway than, and I don't want to disparage the uh, the Ford Fiesta guy back in the day, but I'm guessing that you probably, you know, they go, well, it's it's Milton and he's got the F-150, so I guess we can give him that uh, that metal hinge. <laughs> Doesn't always work that way. In theory, we love it that way, but, uh, you know. So you mentioned that you... We you, all have to be responsible with our money, right? Of course. Well, you mentioned that you, uh, you kind of oversee everything from concept all the way through production. So two questions. One is, what are some of the other programs you've worked on that people would know your work? And then the other question is, how early does it start? So you just had a refresh of the F-150 for 24. When did that process start? When did you get the job where they said, all right, Milton, your next assignment is F-150. And then did you look at yourself in the mirror and go, I can do this. <laughs> I um, started with the company back in 1996. Um, I've worked on lots of different products over the years and in different functions. You know, some of the things I've worked on, um, uh, Escape, Mustang. I actually started my career in, uh, in, with Lincoln Town Car. Right? Um, oh, dude, on, uh, I miss the Town Car. With the... <laughs> yes, yes. I used to do hot laps around our handling track with a Lincoln Town Car. Did you drift it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now, okay, wait a minute. As as an engineer that was working on the town car, were you thrilled that they were the most ubiquitous uh, limousines? Or Oh, I loved it. All I want to know is how many J-turns did you do that in the name of science for like a security guys? In a limo? In a, no, no. Well, just oh. in a regular town car. Like, ah, it'll J-turn. Let me show you. <laughs> I mean, so we used to spend a lot of our time um, at the track in Florida, right? We used to, we used to have a track in Florida. And uh, we would, during the winter, we would, like around now, right? We would move our operations down to our uh, down down south in like Naples, Florida. We had a test track down there, and um, yeah, whenever we had time, um, didn't and had some spare time. Even you know, these were like month long trips at a time, right? So on weekends, you have time. You know, either we go go karting or we put some slap on some tire lumps, <laughs> some town cars, and uh, you know, do some uh, do some drifting, do do some hot laps. What was the fastest? Was it track. the uh, executive or the Bill Blass edition? Bill Blass <laughs> was that a thing? It was. He's Milton's laughing because he knows. Well, does that did that compete against like the Nautica edition of? No, no, no. Nautica was that was Mercury. That different, was Mercury. different brand oh, under the umbrella. Got it. Okay. Yeah, come on, come well, on. Well, no, yeah, I mean, they were fashion two. brands, right? <laughs> Bill Blast. You know, it was, it was Crown Vic, um, the Mercury Grand Marquis, and uh, the Lincoln Town Car, all one platform. Yeah, right? Panther. So we worked all, all three of them. Yeah, Panther, that's right. So that's I right. Uh, once was uh, somebody who went to the police academy and worked at the police department, so I, yeah. I have a lot of experience yeah. in Crown Vic, and one of my favorite times was when yeah. I went to our EVOC driving course where it was the Emergency Vehicles Operations Center, and they put us in Crown Vicks, and we had to do like you know pits, and we had to chase rabbit cars through a, like a fake city, yeah. and do the skid pan. And I'll tell you a story. We had these old five liter Crown Vicks. They weren't even the, the modular motor ones at the time. It, it was all the leftovers that they took to the driving school because they figured these are all new drivers that are gonna you know just crash them anyway, so they're not gonna give you good cars. And we did the skid pan, and there were eight cars, and we were all on the radio, one through eight. So is, car is, one. Is the skid pan the one where it takes it sideways on water? Yeah, it's wa basically a polished concrete big apron that's flooded with water. Okay. And so what they're teaching you is there's in driving dynamics, there's a point of no return. I think it's like 25 degrees of swing, something around there. So when the tail gets out beyond 25 degrees, you can't recover from a spin at that point. So what you do is you fishtail in there, get it to the very edge, and show that you can recover the car. And then you drive through and you get points based on that. So we did that for hours all day. 
And I was the only one <laughs> who had no spin outs the entire day. So the whole class was like spinning out left and right. So the instructor's like, and I was in car number one. The instructor's like, be like car number one. He knows what he's doing. So at the end of the, the end of the day, it was our very last one. So we would take it at like 45 or 50 miles an hour and then spin them. I get it a little bit faster. I just crank the wheel and I did like 15 pirouettes all the way through the apron. And he gets on the race like, number one, what happened? I go, I just wanted to see the fun everyone else was having. So anyway, true story of, uh, of me and having fun in the uh, Panther platform. That sounds like a great day. Great <laughs> day awesome. in the office, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I love this industry. I love this business because you can, you can do things like that, right? I didn't know, um, Milton, that you had an office. You said Naples, Florida. That sounds like an excuse to hang out at the beach and just kind of part-time do some, some auto work. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we know we've established that you worked on some important Ford products in the past. So now moving up to F-150 today, when did you get the, uh, the assignment to uh, take on the mid-cycle refresh for the 24 F-150? And were you nervous? Yeah. So I took it over. Well, I took it over. So, I mean, this has always been a dream job for me, right? Any chief program engineer at Ford, you know, wants to eventually do F-150, right? Because it's a crown jewel. So um, in 2021, I was actually um, finishing up an assignment in China. And uh, I had two stints in China, right? One to localize Lincoln over in China. And then uh, the second stint in China uh, was to build up our commercial vehicle business with one of our uh, joint venture partners. Um, So then in 2021, um, you know, the company asked me to come back and uh, take over F-150. And I said, absolutely, right? This this is great. You know, it's an honor, right? It's, it's really an honor to be trusted and to have earned the opportunity and the, the privilege to lead the F-150 team. What generation so, uh, is this so, yeah, F-150? Started, is this like 10 or 11? 14th. 14. This would be 14. Holy mackerel. Right. So when you walk into the F-150 totally. office on the wall, is it like a headshot of each of the previous um, chief program engineers and you uh, now, you, <laughs> now you've got your, your painting on the wall with them? <laughs> Not quite. Not quite. But we do remember all – I do remember all of the, the past, right, the whole lineage of F-150 chief engineers. So when you get this assignment, you're excited. Are you nervous? Again, you're talking about you're stepping into some some rather uh, important shoes. So every you know, um, we we say that every F one fifty chief, uh, you know, gets um, number one. Hey, congratulations! The job is yours. Number two, don't screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that is a that's a lot of weight on your shoulders in the uh, building in Dearborn. When you took it over, Milton, you were at what you were at generation. When I took it over, we were just launching the 2021 model year, right? So when we brought brought on the 14th generation, right? Um, my predecessor was on the brink of retirement, Craig Schmatz, right? So then I finished up the 2021 launch for him. You know, right on the heels of that, we had already started working on the mid-cycle action. And the mid-cycle action usually takes us about three, three and a half years to do. In 2021, we were already into what's the strategy of the vehicle, right? What's the strategy of the next program? What are the things that we want to do, right? What are our priorities and what are the new features? What, what, what are the problems that we want to think about and want to solve for our customers, right? What's the next innovations that we want to bring um, to the F-150? Every F-150 program is always about building upon our build for tough heritage, right? You know, it's always been about capability, productivity, dependability. Those are... That's what defines Built for Tough. So anytime that we do a new program, a mid-cycle action, it's continue to add to that, right? And continue to 
add new experiences for our customer that enhance capability, enhance productivity, and enhance dependability. Couple of questions. So first, when you're building three, you're designing three years in advance of the next model, what is the longest lead time or what takes the longest to develop if you're you're not doing, let's say you're not doing a refresh, you're going to do a, a major refinement of the platform. Yeah, so like frame and body panels takes us a long time. Hardware, uh, so electronics, uh, software development takes a long time, right? Lamps take a long time. Oh, Seats lamps. take a long time. Lamps are hard. I mean, uh, they're, the jewels, they're the jewelry of the vehicle these days, right? And uh, not only are they the jewelry and need to look high-tech and look great and be the jewelry and shine, but they also have a lot of legal requirements, right? A lot of functional and a lot of optical requirements. And you have to be able to translate it from a designer's eye into something that's actually tangible and right. real in the real world too, right? And, and see how close you can right. get it because... Obviously, the the styling details and things like that are are going to be approved based on yeah. the what a designer has put down. And uh, right. you may not understand until you see one, but there's actually a lot of little changes on the uh, on the new F one fifty. I commend you though. There's it's I feel like there's like two sort of uh, I don't know bookends. We know that the uh, and you you've got to order one because no dealership's going to stock them except for maybe one in Georgia, but. The fact that you can get a five liter still in a regular cab, because people are putting like, you know, superchargers on those things and having like a their own basically, you know, redo of the original lightning is pretty awesome. And I've said this before. I think I, I know you guys are 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 deep into EcoBoost. The two point seven is a great engine, the three point five. But for me, my favorite out of all of the F one fifty is the one that I think hits the sweet spot for both capability in terms of off-roading and towing, everyday livability, is a five-liter Tremor. That is, to me, and you guys have actually upped your game on Tremor for 24 to bring it closer to Raptor. I don't want to call it a poor man's Raptor because it's not. It's actually, for most people who will get a Raptor, it's the third vehicle, or they're going to go use it and bomb through the desert. But a lot of people want the Raptor look, but maybe they don't need that suspension. They need more payload. They need more towing. Uh, they need more like truck capability and less kind of fun toy capability. Right. And that Tremor Man is just like the sweet spot of the lineup right now. I love that truck. We've talked about that a few times on the show, Milton, is that we don't know, we're not inside Ford, but we think that Tremor is one of those things that you guys rolled out and, th- and said, well, this will be a nice insert into the line. And then it just exploded. A, it's got a cool name, but B, yeah. the functionality, the usability of those bits that you put on really struck a note in the market. Right. So not everyone, you know, needs a Raptor. A Raptor is a very capable truck for desert running, right? It's a desert runner, right? It does great in the sand dunes. But we saw an opportunity. So back in the 2021 model year, you know, we saw an opportunity. We have the FX4, right? That's your base. That's your very basic, you know, off-road package. And then we have Raptor, right? Which is your desert runner. And uh, we saw an opportunity for where there was, um, you know, opportunity to get into like the middle ground, right? It's really, and so Trevor does a great job of going off-road to places where you want to get out into the middle of the woods and off, you know, on off-road trails and know that you can absolutely get back. And that's Tremor. Right? So it's got a lifted suspension. 
you know, right out of the factory. It's got knobby tires, trailer turn features. It's got that uh, great modular front bumper that has uh, right. some styling and, and shared parts with uh, with Raptor, right. which I love. Uh, and, you know, so we introduced in 2021 or 21 and a half model year. And with the 24 model year, we decided to, you know, up the game. And uh, we gave it its very unique styling. And we gave it, you know, a front end that's commensurate of its uh, rugged capability. Yeah, it and uses the so uh, we, sort of that STX style what you guys call the coast to coast grill where the grill right. and the surrounds of the headlights are kind of uh, encompass the headlight all the way in, to the body there's not like a separate body color right. it's, this, it's this kind of one color and i think to me that's the best looking out of all the new trucks I've, i always have a sweet spot for raptor it's one of my favorites uh, i'm sure if you didn't know i've got some history with raptor with the original one and it'll always have a, a soft spot but the Tremor just looks great. You know, having some yeah. more Raptors uh, styling cues on the hood. There's a lot of unique body panels on that truck, and yeah. it just, it's fantastic. That is one that we're really proud of. Um, you know, in fact, you know, Tremor didn't look like that when I first took on the program. And then I got into the studio, and, you know, I looked at all the different ways that we can do the front end and looked at trying to, you know, reduce the complexity because uh, we had so many different grills. And then it ended up, like, you know, hey, you know, we have this new front end designed, but it doesn't really fit on that trim series. That's a tremor. Let's turn that into the tremor. Right. That's and that's what we did. And it looks great. I was looking through some of the documents that we got on the uh, on the press uh, reveal and uh, lightning. You'll appreciate this. Um, so in 2022, Visa. You'll be familiar with the credit card company. You probably have a couple of those in your wallet. Mm. Uh, revenue was uh, $29.3 billion. $29.3 billion for Visa. For Visa. Okay. And then uh, Netflix. Netflix is right. uh, something you might have on your Apple TV or on your I phone. You do. I have it everywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, $31.6 billion. $31.6 with a B. And All Starbucks, right. uh, I'm sure you, uh, your wife has contributed, as mine has, $32.3 billion. $32.3. Well, half a billion is my wife's oh, got uh, it. contribution yeah. there. All right, okay. so... Uh, if you had to pull out just the F series, mm -hmm. not all of what Ford's doing, just the trucks, just the F series trucks. So all F one fifty, F one fifty, three fifty four, five. What do you think that revenue was for Ford last year? I'm gonna say, I'm gonna blow this out of the water. I'm gonna say forty one billion. Forty one point five <laughs> billion dollars. What? What? For just the F one fifty. That was, uh, or just the F series, rather. Okay, holy dude, mackerel. Talk so, so about... when we're talking to Milton, that, that's how important he is. He flies around the country. They have security guards around uh -huh. him. Yeah, they don't let him fly with anyone else important. Now <laughs> he's got Ford Secret Service too. They, <laughs> yeah. their, their ears are wired. How big is your team, Milton? Like personnel wise, if you, I guess you can't really include the bean counters, right? But what about Lightning's your, asking? How many people make the F-150 tick? Right. The engineering team is about four to 500 people. Huh. <laughs> You're impressed by I that, aren't you? I can't imagine, yeah, managing four <laughs> to 500 people. It's just a few. Four or five people I can wrap my head around. Mm -hmm. Not in the hundreds. So hmm. on the, uh, the new truck, here's the trim levels. XL, STX, XLT, Lariat, King Ranch, Platinum, Tremor, and then, of course, Raptor. And then also you can go with the uh, 2.7 liter EcoBoost V6, the 5 liter Coyote, the 3.5 EcoBoost, 
or the 3.5 Power Boost, which is the uh, full hybrid V6. Mm-hmm. So, Milton, you love build complexity, is what I'm <laughs> reading from this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to give, you know, one of the things that we do with F-150 is, you know, power choice, right? And so we, one of the things that we really emphasized on this program was to reduce the complexity, make the ordering uh, process a lot easier for our dealers, help our customers understand our product and our program. But it's not one size fits all. So there are customers who want the different powertrains and different capabilities depending on what they do. You know, the one that we introduced most recently, which is the 3.5 Power Boost full hybrid, is a perfect example of it brings on a different use case and it gives the customers new capabilities, right? Because it's not just about, you know, that is our engine our, on base F-150 outside a Raptor, right? With It's the engine with the highest torque, the highest horsepower. But it's not just about the big numbers and the power output underneath the hood, but it's also really about pro power on board, right? Power in the box. All of our hybrids come with they come standard with a 2.4 kilowatt pro power on board generator, or you can option up to a 7.2 kilowatts, right? And that which is a lot brand new capability. Yes, I mean with 7.2 kilowatts of power, you can run an entire construction job site. You know, heavy welders and heavy equipment for up to 32 hours continuously on max power. Holy mackerel, because right? to me, then, to me, a, a 7.2K KW would be like an, like an Onan diesel generator in an RV where you've got air conditioning units, a microwave, all that stuff mm-hmm. running simultaneously. That's a lot of power. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so talking about camping, right? You know, when you camp, you know, there are lots of campsites where there's a modern day conveniences. You can rent a campsite and you can plug in, right? And you have power, right? But there are a lot of, places where you want to camp that it's just off the off the beaten path and there is no power there right now you can actually bring your own power right and you can run your own campsite right you can run your campsite 85 hours on you know on a on a full tank of gas it just brings new capabilities right so i talked about earlier that um you know built for tough is about capability productivity and dependability right in the past you know capability and Productivity were synonymous with things like more torque, more horsepower, more payload, more towing capacity, right? Big numbers. But in what we've done recently, it's we're bringing new meaning um, to the words capability and productivity. I'll tell you a story, right? So as I'm launching the F1, the new F-150, I bounce around between Dearborn Truck Plant and Kansas City Assembly Plant, our two assembly plants where we build our F-150s. And it was just about two weeks ago, I was out in Kansas uh, Kansas City Assembly Plant, and I was walking through one of our older areas. I was just kind of rummaging through. There's, there's like a lot of old stuff here, right? I was just kind of rummaging through, and there were like a lot of old pictures. And I pulled out this picture of a um, 2008 uh, F-150, and that was probably Gen 11, Gen 12 maybe. 15 years ago, when I was looking at the interior of an F-150, and I, I took a picture of that, and I put it next to a picture of our 2024 model year F-150, and you know, just kind of compare and contrast of how far we've come. But it's not just about looking at the cockpit and looking at, we went from analog 
dials to full digital screens. And, you know, we went from a double din radio to, you know, digital infotainment. It's not just about screens and buttons, right? But if you take a look at what we've done in terms of transforming that cockpit, you know, now we have blue crews, we have an exterior work surface on the tailgate, we have an interior work surface, we have pro power on board to power up your laptops, power up your tools. It's just really transforming the F-150 into a better tool, right? And it's something that you can depend on to handle any pursuit that you have. It literally mm-hmm. has become a Swiss Army knife. Well, thing, things fold out. We'll talk about the tailgate in a minute, but things fold out of the tailgate. You've got center console lids that flip open. You've got the the shifter that folds down, and so that you you know you get room for your laptop. And that'd be mm-hmm. one of my favorite features, right? All but, those types of things. Um, I wanted to go back to hybrid really quick. So mm-hmm. through the first half of 2023, uh, the F-150 was the best-selling full hybrid truck, and 10% of the mix earlier this year were hybrids, and Ford's planning to double that for 2024, which is which right. is huge. And when you look at the power boost numbers, you were talking about the uh, the maximum horsepower and torque, 430 horsepower, 570 pound-feet of torque. So that leads me to my next question is, what really killed light-duty diesel, for the most part, uh, in America? Was it cost? Was it emission regulations? Or was it the advent of hybrid coming through and being able to do that kind of power output more affordably with... Uh, a gasoline power plant. Is it a mix of those things from a chief engineer? Obviously you guys moved on from diesel and light duty. Was that a hard choice? Do you think customers will miss it or do you think they're going to go to the power boost now? So power boost is, um, you know, it was a great invention for us, right? Because it gave us new capabilities, like I said, right. I mean, when we first started developing the power boost, we, we knew that we could export power. We could bring power to the, to the back. Um, but we, didn't quite yet imagine what were people going to do with it, right? We knew that it would be useful. I mean, we, you know, you think about our concepts, you know, we drew up boards where we, you know, when we think about like, what do we think the customers are going to do with these technologies? And, you know, if you think, if you think about, if you imagine our cartoons, right, you know, cartoons about like, what do we, how do we think customers are going to use it? Yes, the job site was one of them, right? Powering up a job site. Bob, the construction worker, shown here, (laughs) plugging in all the stuff, and then here's here's Jim at home, and he just had a storm, and he's powering his house, and then it's almost like when the iPhone came out, there's almost no way you could have understood how people would have used that today, and now that you guys have had feedback from first-gen power boost, you kind of went all in on this next generation and gave people more power, but also really just more usability in the way that power gets exported, the vehicle runs, the, yeah. just it's almost like the strategy behind it changed to better utilize that in more situations for, for customers. Yeah, it's been great for things like disaster recovery, right? So when we launched PowerBoost, you know, it was unfortunate for our friends in Texas that they had the big storms, but some of our customers just plugged their house into it, right? Um, so, you know, these were not, use cases that we had imagined but you know over the years people have found different ways to you know really change the way they use the truck as a tool right and so one of the stories that that um we came up upon as we were you know going into the reveal uh was you know we were trying to see how other you know how power boost and how pro power and board were, were changing lives and businesses right and there's actually this outfit in maine called the state of maine mainly teeth, 
right? And they tow a trailer, a mobile dental office, with their F-150. They get to different sites to provide dental services uh, to the needy, and they power up their mobile dental office with power boost. And when they told us that story, we we're just like, wow, right? And we never imagined that. You're telling me that they are the customer that's not going to miss the diesel at all. No. They they, they no. found a completely new technology that gives them similar power or better, similar fuel economy and capability, and then now they can do more stuff with it. Right. Is that the strangest use case that you've seen? <laughs> mobile main, main <laughs> teeth. Well, Mo- a mobile dentist. There was right? a Ford uh, employee that powered their wedding. They had a, uh-huh. a something went out at their wedding, and, and the Ford employee had It was had actually a, his friend's wedding. Oh, was it? Right. It was his friend. It was his friend's wedding, and then they, um, you know, they had an outdoor wedding, and um, the the power went out. So then one of our employees happened to have one of our new trucks, and he said, "Wait, I, I can power this, right?" So he <laughs> got an extension cord, and he plugged it in, and all his friends cheered. <laughs> I can imagine the DJ, the the record, just like a movie, starts going. <laughs> so when we talk about uh, the new uh, the new F one fifty max towing thirteen thousand five hundred pounds, max payload two thousand four hundred fifty five pounds, both are best in class for maximum available. Obviously, that changes based on trim and and all that kind of stuff. But you're really starting to get into super duty F two fifty territory of not too long ago. Where the is it is it mission creep or is it better because the the, the half ton trucks are are so capable now? Is that eroding you know the heavy duty share or is that what people are I kind of know. the tweeners? They have a place to to go now because maybe they felt like God, I don't really need everything from a super duty and I like the better ride of the F one fifty. Now they have a place to go. No, this is where he gets an angry email from the Super Duty uh, engineers. Like, <laughs> Yo, you're stepping on my turf, buddy. <laughs> yeah, Andrew, a great friend of mine, right? He's the, he's the chief engineer. He's he's my counterpart on the Super Duty, and uh, you know we work together, right? And we're in the same office. Um, he's big brother, right? He's got big brother truck. Right? There's absolutely <laughs> a different place for F-150 and Super Duty. Actually, I worked on Super Duty as well. Right? I I um, finished up the p558 super duty the 2017 right that was one of my jobs prior to prior to moving over to china right and so i launched uh 2017 super duty as well so i know that product quite well and and so I then you quite well you well. know that product well enough that you went and poached as soon as you got into the f-150 roll you're like hey sucker i'm gonna take some of that low-hanging exactly. fruit from you Dude, that when they were you know, seventeen, so, uh, the Super Duty was good looking in sixteen. You know, eleven to sixteen, but the seventeen just re- it just redefined it. Yeah. it. I think it brought a whole not to take anything away from F one fifties, but it brought a whole new. I think it Great poached. Truck. It poached from your competitors. It really did. So the only time that I feel small when I'm in an F one fifty is when I'm side by side with the Super Duty, and I look. Over there, and I'm like, I, I look up and wave. Hello. <laughs> you look over at the door handle next to your uh, next to your head. Super Duty capability has uh, has grown as well. I mean, or, you know, new Super Duty could tow forty thousand pounds. Right? So we had very distinct, that's half a big rig. Use cases and it is literally half a semi truck, a half a semi load. You know, and it, uh, more than half a semi load because the whole truck together is usually about eighty thousand going down the road. That's absurd. Forty thousand. So I just got back from a trip to uh, Arizona, and was looking at all of the trucks that were out there towing 
five or six cars on a double decker trailer, like all the hot shotters, right? Mm-hmm. And it was a, it, a lot of Rams, a lot of Super Duties. Didn't see too many GMs. Some of them had their bed removed with a, you know, with a, a gooseneck or fifth wheel on it, and mm-hmm. or I guess it would be gooseneck on those. But I was counting and trying to mentally in my mind figure out how much weight they were pulling. And I'm looking like six cars at like 5,000 pounds each. If you average them out, it's 30. Plus that trailer's got to weigh 8,000 pounds. Right. And I'm going, man, yeah. that dude's pulling 40,000 pounds down the highway almost, right? And But mm-hmm. the truck These guys can do it. No, they'll max them. Like there are guys that are not afraid to tow yeah. the max weight. It's it's insane. Well, and, and, So you used to not be able to tow with you know, a heavy duty pickup truck, that type of weight. And so in order to tow that kind of weight, you would need one of the, you know, medium duty trucks. Right. But, you know, if you tow those things and you get into town, then you you really don't have a a vehicle to use, but with a super duty, you can actually drop your load and you can go around town with it as well. Right. And looking at the uh, technology that you've added to the new F-150 pro trailer hitch assist. So basically that takes the frustration out of hitching a trailer, and it uses the rear camera right. and the corner radars to align the hitch with the right. trailer coupler while it controls the truck's speed steering and brakes to stop at just the right place at the touch of a button. Of course, Pro Trailer Backup Assist, where you know you can do the steering with the knob, which is actually really cool for yep. backing up a trailer. Awesome. Right. Super awesome. One of the things that you guys uh, implemented, though, on the new trucks that I thought was stupidly ingenious, where you're like, how has nobody ever done this before? Stupidly ingenious. Yes, it's like it's like accidentally so ob- ingenious. No, stupidly ingenious. I know what I'm saying. Okay, it's like so obviously like the 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 lamest person could have come up with this, and then nobody did for so long. It's the onboard scales where the LED lights in the tail lights when you hook up your trailer, mm-hmm. they're like vertical LED lights, and they will tell they will help you um, tell you how much payload and tongue weight there is. So that wait what yeah. yeah there's little lights on the tail light so where where are the where are the where's the gauge not the gauges but where is the the sensor like where is well, that in the it, axle well, in the spring like what? yeah so it's like a ride height so we sensor use a right ride height sensor yeah right we use oh. the ride height sensors in the back of the truck right and uh, you know based on the ride height you know we know how much weight is in the back of the truck and so we're able to indicate it in a couple of different places right so you know if you want more granularity of the readout, if you look on your 12-inch center stack display, you can get a lot finer detail. But if you just want approximate, in the back on the tail lamps, there's four LED lights. And, you know, the more, you know, so if you're somewhere between like, you know, um, 100 to 150 pounds, it'll be the first LED. And then you have the second LED, the third LED, and the fourth LED showing you that you're at the max, you know, you're getting close to max weight. So what Ford has done is they've uh, removed our need for a toe-a-sode because people no longer have to worry about tongue weight because the F-150 tells you when you have too much. No, listen, that would be if everyone went and bought one and then they would <laughs> they would clean out the inventory. You don't think after this interview they're, they're not all rushing over there right they, now? Well, they will be and then Milton will be out of a job because they won't make them fast enough and they're like, oh, we don't need you anymore because we're just going to stick with this model for the rest of our, for no, the next 10 no, no, years. No, they're going nope. to tell him to go do the new one. Go, oh, oh, wait, yeah. we, got, we got too many customers. We got to do the new one. But I, uh, And then now you guys have introduced Ford Blue Cruise, which is hands-free driving on the F-150, so now you can have that uh, mm-hmm. autonomous uh, driving experience. I could definitely see a place, most people are like, oh, don't take the steering wheel out of my hands, but for those of us like in Southern California, where you're commuting to work and you're in traffic, 
The worst thing is just like lifting off the pedal and steering a little bit in your lane. If you can get an hour's worth of work done, just let the truck drive. I'm totally down with that. Now, don't take the steering wheel out of my hand if I'm going cross country because I still like driving. But I can definitely see a place where and, it would be and cool. By the way, for those listeners who are who are calling BS on Holman, they're like he wouldn't do it because I know I've been in the in the truck with him before when I've seen him do it, where he takes his foot off the gas. Truck's driving. Truck's, truck's driving. And I'm like, I don't feel comfortable over here. I was and dri- there's a big center console, and I can't get over there with my foot. I was driving the, the other day in a competitor's vehicle that had the steering assist and, and all that, and mm-hmm. the uh, traffic in front of us stopped suddenly. And so the vehicle I was in also stopped suddenly. My wife's like, Whoa! and I looked at her because I knew she was freaking out because the car had, and I lifted up my knees. So she could see my feet weren't on the pedals, and I put my hands in the air. I go, truck's got it. You're good. <laughs> oh and she was gosh. not happy about no, that. No, see, I wouldn't be so, either. So I don't know if, if Blue Cruise is going to save marriages or it's going to take a while <laughs> for people to trust it, but I do think gonna, it's cool technology. It's not going to bode well for many people. <laughs> Milton, how far, how far does this go, in your opinion, for trucks specifically? We know that people are working on autonomous driving and all this stuff, and I, what are your thoughts as far as trucks are concerned, specifically F-150? Will we have autonomous F-150s? Is, is there a demand for that? Or is an F-150 a tool for a man's man who wants to drive still? Or what's your impression of it? Where do you see F-150 going ultimately 10 years well, from now? So, uh, 10 years from now, I mean, we'll continue working on the our ADAS technologies. And there's a you know whole cycle plan of different things that our ADAS, our great ADAS team wants to do, right? And technologies that they'll continue to refine and, and invent. Um, you know, every year they're working on new capabilities, right? So we launched Blue Cruise in the 21 model year F-150, right? And um, it pans free. So what have we done in the 24 model year, right? We've, we've added more hands-free zones and the newest thing that we've done with Blue Cruise is we've given an assisted lane change, right? So now not only can you drive down the highway hands-free, but if you want to make a lane change, you just need to tap your um, turn signal stock and indicate that you want to go to the left, go to the right, and the vehicle do it do it itself. I mean, it really takes a lot of this, the stress out of driving, right? It's an assist technology, right? So if you're doing a long road trip, if you've had a tired, if you've had a hard day at work and, you know, you're commuting home, the Blue Cruise just helps you to, you know, relax a little bit and take the stress out of driving, right? Because it's, it's just great assisted driving technologies. Milton, you mentioned um, that you added more hands-free zones. What did you mean by the word zones? Blue Cruise mainly works on you know, big highways, right? And so it's all mapped, right, in terms of where we can be hands-free. And as we get more and more data and more and more map um, data, then we're able to add more areas where you can go hands-free. In our cluster, you'll see that in our cluster, when your vehicle is in more intelligent cruise control mode where the vehicle has radars sensing what's in front, um, and also looking at the lane and steering for you. But that's when we want you to keep your hands on the wheel, right? But when you're in a blue zone, which is we have that mapped out and we have hands-free capability on that stretch of the road, our instrument cluster will actually turn blue and will tell you that you can actually take your hands off. Oh, no kidding. And, you know, for, for that road 
truck drives down the road by itself, hands-free. I got to be honest. I did not know that it was tied into a map. I just thought it looked at the environment. Literally, if I'm going down a two-lane road and it looks ahead X amount of distance and it looks behind and the sides and whatever, and it makes the decision yeah, but on the still, fly. It still needs to need no transitions and freeways and things like that, right? It makes right. sense yeah. now that you say that, but I just... I thought it was environmental more so than map-based, but it makes perfect sense. So it uses all of what you just said in terms of cameras and sensors, mm -hmm. but it also uses the map data so that you know when there's potential incoming traffic from highway ramps, for, for instance, right? Um, curvatures, right? Uh, curvatures that are ahead of you that, are, that may be too sharp, uh, where we might want to give you a warning to put your hands back on the wheel. So that map data is important. So what happens when somebody has their hands off the wheel and it would be like the lady I saw on the 405 uh, eating ramen noodles while she was uh, letting the car drive earlier today, not even paying attention to traffic, just sitting there eating her ramen noodles while her Tesla Model 3 is just doing its thing. And I looked over and I'm like, seriously, you're not even looking up. You're looking at, like, did you get a, a piece of, like, tofu out of your ramen noodles or something like that, right? And I'm watching her... And I watched her for a good amount of time, and she never looked up at all. That was like my experience a couple episodes ago where I talked to you, where I thought yeah. it was just, I was not okay with that. And I know that the technology is there, at least for that that part of the driving experience, but I wasn't okay. I'm like, it's not okay for you to be totally checked out yet. Well, like, so I don't, as a society, are we... What, what was your beef? So, no, so my question is, how does uh, the F-150 respond as you go through, so, you know, some of the, like, steering assists that are in the industry now that aren't quite autonomous driving yet, they may have, like, right. steering assist. As long as your hand is on the wheel, it'll steer as long as the angle isn't too sharp. And if you take your hand off the wheel to, you know, you drop your wallet on the floor and you're like, oh, I can grab it. And, you know, it'll give you a little beep and a warning and the screen maybe turns orange. says, put your hands back on the wheel. What is the the progression of alerts? And then what does the vehicle ultimately do if somebody is completely checked out and you've said, hey, put your hands on the wheel. Hey, really put your hands on the wheel. Is it like, you know, in a diesel truck where your DPF goes out and it goes into limp mode? Like what happens to the truck if you were to ignore all of the warning signs? Right. So, so first and foremost, right, um, what our system uses is we have a driver state monitoring camera, right? So on the mirror on your left hand mirror sail and also in the center stack there's a couple of uh infrared cameras that are always looking at the driver's eyes right and so okay. by looking at the driver's eyes we're able to see if we're able to detect whether they are paying attention or not that's weird and that it's looking back that's at what us we want. We, <laughs> right it's looking back at us to, to make sure that we're paying because this is a driver assist system right and right so it's not full autonomous the driver right the driver needs to be able to take control when required right and so that's why we're monitoring the driver's eyes and making sure that they're paying attention so is um, that if they're how, not paying attention then we'll give you we'll we'll do graduated warnings is that how the liability remains with the driver and not the technology if there were to be an accident because you're like hey you're still in control of this thing we're assisting you through it but if you're going to ignore all this and something happens that's on you as the driver Right, the driver has to be responsible, yeah. right? Because the industry is not there yet in terms of full autonomy. Sure, agreed. Right, so you so, got to be careful. So, what is the progression of warnings? I've ignored them. I'm going down some highway that's a blue zone, and uh, now it turns into a green zone or whatever the non-blue zone is, and it says, "Hey, now you're out of the blue zone. Time to drive." 
and I just ignore it. What's the progression? What what happens? Yeah, so you you get progression of uh, chimes and warnings. There'll be yellow, you know, there'll be, there'll be chimes and there'll be yellow lights and there'll be you know red warning boxes, um, and then gradually the the vehicle will safely slow down and um, take you out of you know give you enough alerts and tell you to take control. Tell me it has one of those spring-loaded boxing, boxing, boxing gloves that punches you, no, right? It, it, it has, uh, <laughs> has pepper spray. It sprays you right no, in the face. No, no, no. It just needs to wake you up. <laughs> All right. So Ford has been an innovator on the tailgate for some time now. You guys came out with the tailgate step and what we, all of us media and in the uh, industry affectionately call the stripper pole. And then you came to a... <laughs> You're not supposed to say that with him on the phone. Yeah, but that's... I mean, he knows. Mm. He's got to know. And then you came out the Gen... So the, the Gen 1 was great, right? Like, the t- the step came out of the top of the tailgate. It's like, oh, that's cool. But the pole... I nestled, love the pole, by the way. ...nestled into the tailgate, and it would rip open the bottom of every cardboard box you tried to slide in there. Mm. And so then the second generation came out where you had a flat tailgate again, and you didn't have to rip open all your boxes putting it in there. And that became even better... Well, then, you know, GM's like, ooh, ooh, I want to be in on the tailgate. So they're like, ooh, multi-pro. And then Ram's like, ooh, 70-30 split. And everybody's going, well, ooh, Ford just has a stripper pole and a step. What are they going to do? Well, you guys now have your own version of a multifunction tailgate. And you were really proud of demonstrating that uh, back in um, Detroit when I was there a few months ago. uh, Because you guys have done something different than everybody else. And you think you've solved some pain points of how people use their uh, their tailgate. So I was hoping you would uh, explain it to the audience and, and let them know sort of why you think you guys have a better mousetrap. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the ProAxis tailgate was, um, it, it was all about human-centered design, right? And this is, uh, you know, so I told you that earlier on that, you know, for generations, we continue to work on innovations and, you know, look at all the pain points that customers have and how do they use their trucks you know, the, the big thing about human-centered design is going out and observing pain points and observing how customers interact, right? And and we gave them product, and our customers can be people that we recruit for research, and a lot of them are also our own employees, right? And so we do quick prototypes to mock things up with wood and foam and just see how people interact with these quick mock-ups so that we can learn and tweak Right. So ProAxis tailgate. Right. One of the things that we know about our customers, 75 percent of F-150 customers tow in some capacity. But with all the tailgates out in the market today, none of them work great with towing. Like your conventional drop down tailgate, when you're towing and you have your typical, you know, your most typical A-frame trailers will have a trailer jack in the front. And so. You if mean the one that all the GM the guys drop their tailgate right <laughs> on top dense. of? They're like, hey, hey, honey, right. check this out. I got this new cool multi-pro tailgate. And they drop it right boom, on the trailer boom, boom. jack. Yeah. Dude, I have, at work, yeah. guys did it to us. Yep. I've seen customers come in with, they're all dented right it, above. It's a great design if you aren't towing. Yep. They, they need to have some sort of right. towing lockout sensor. But I think the Ford design is a little smarter than that. So one of the things that we really want to prioritize is make sure that this tailgate can work with towing. Because... 75% of our customers tow. So putting the the swing gate in the right place, sizing it properly, giving it the right opening angles, those were the things that actually make it work with uh, trailering. So now when you have a trailer behind you, you know, we can 
you know, we put stops into the swing door as well, right? So the swing door can open into like three different positions, right? 37 degrees, 70 degrees, and 100 degrees. At 37 degrees, you can open it wide enough such that, number one, most important, it stops, the door stops swinging before you hit the trailer jack so you don't bang up your, your tailgate, right? But even at that opening, it's wide enough so that you can step in and out of the truck bed and you can pull things out like, you know, your big coolers, right? So, you know, if you go if you go camping and you still have your trailer back there and you need to access and pull out your, your drink cooler or pull out tools, you can do that. So really quick, while we're right? visualizing this, uh, as you're listening, with the Ford system, it's like a door within the tailgate. So the tailgate still opens down. Mm-hmm. But there's a door within it that opens up um, on the driver's side, so it's hinged on the passenger side. And so Milton was talking about right. the first D10 is 37 degrees, and then Milton will let you finish from there. But I just wanted people to be able to visualize what it looks like. It feels like a is it a 70 30 split kind of? No, no, no. no. There's it, the it's a 20 60 20 split. Oh, 20 is stationary, 60 swings, and then the other t- last 20 is uh, stationary, going from driver's side to passenger side. So the middle section can swing out, and then also uh, this gate is also power up and down in the conventional sense. So that's kind of a multifunction, right, total access tailgate. How does it do all that and remain as rigid as it needs to be when I'm putting on a pallet of cinder blocks? No joke, like, because you've got so many connection points at these opening, right, these joints where... They're opening like doors, multiple doors in different directions. They close together, but when they close, they have to lock so solidly that when the it's down and flat like a traditional tailgate, they can hold, you know, three big men jumping up and down on it. You know, this tailgate has to sustain all of the same loads that our conventional tailgate sustains, right? And we test it to the same requirements and same standards. Right? So people sitting on it, people putting load on it, uh, people loading, you know, uh, motorcycles and dirt bikes on it, you know, has to sustain all that load. I mean, there is a big um, frame structure inside that tailgate. You know, there are big, beefy hinges uh, and latches to allow you to do all of that. It's a feat so of engineering. Very carefully engineered. If you're listening to this, you need to go. There's plenty. Obviously, you can go to Ford's site, website and, and check it out. But you need to. We are not going to do justice trying to describe this tailgate until you've got to see it for yourself. When you drop down a tailgate and you need to pull things out of your truck bed, you're still a good two feet away from the back of your bed. So you have to lean over and hunch over in order to grab anything, right? But with the swing gate on the pro-axis tailgate, if you open up the swing gate, you're right at the edge of the bed, right? And so you have much further reach into your bed. And so if you think about, again, going back to productivity and capability, right? Let's face it, pickup beds, if you're doing normal everyday activities, like on the weekend, if you're going to Costco, going to go grocery shopping or something like that, finding a place to, you have big, truck bed yeah there's a big truck right but you know having a good place to store your groceries or you know bring your groceries home or your cases of water is a little bit of a pain because if you just put it in the back of the pickup truck by the time that you get home things have rolled around and you find your watermelon all the way at the front of the bed and it's hard <laughs> to retrieve right with a bed divider that sections off the you know back third or back half of the bed 
with a tonneau cover on top of your bed and with the swing gate, you all of a sudden have a trunk, right? And very easy access to do everyday tasks, right? Good for golf bags, right? Good for your luggage, right? To, on runs to the airport, right? Normal everyday activities, right? So it really transformed the customer experience and makes the pickup truck very usable for everyday activities. Now, when the tailgate is it's is in tailgate form, does it still have the step in it? Because I, I know that it still has the the back side with the measuring and all that. You can still have that on the when you put the tailgate down. But does it have the step, or do you guys have another um, accessory for that? No, so right. So this uh, this tailgate that no longer has um, the pull out step cartridge, right? The um, the tailgate step. What we found is that as again human-centered design, right? We observed a lot of people, uh, our customers, and we observed a lot of health clinics within our own engineering team. And we found that when you give the customer the choice of trying to get in and out of the pickup bed with our traditional tailgate step that we've had around since 2009 or the ProAxis tailgate, the ProAxis tailgate actually makes hopping in and out of the bed a lot easier. When you Mm -hmm. think about uh, the pull-out step, there's a lot of activity before, there's a lot of, no pun intended, steps, <laughs> processes <laughs> before you can actually hop onto the bed. With the ProAxis tailgate, it's simply push the button, swing open the gate, hop in, and you're there. So what we've done is the bumper step is the step now, mm. and we've widened it. We've made it deeper so you can have sure footing on it. We've also added a retractable step to give you an intermediate step. So that's a retractable step that bolts onto the hitch bar, and you can just tug it out with the, you know, uh, balls of your your foot, and just pull it out. And um, you know, it's probably about a foot off the ground, and um, that's your intermediate step up to the bumper step and right up to the bed. Now we were talking about the different angles that the uh, the detents were at. And so we talked about the the first one, which is, I believe, 37 degrees. And then the next one was 70 Mm -hmm. degrees. 70, yep. And then 100 degrees. And then last one is 100 degrees, right. And then, of course, you have the full tailgate down, which is really really cool. To make them go beyond those points, do you depress the button again? And it's like a door detent. So it comes to rest in those positions. Correct. Got it. Correct. Right, right. So it's a, a ball in a valley, right? Oh, okay, okay. So, Milton, uh, a couple questions before we let you go. Uh, and, again, super gracious of you to spend the time. I know it's late on the East Coast, and we really appreciate it. The most important... I always love talking about F-150. Oh, well, then, you know, we do, too. We're, uh, well, we're, 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 we got two more hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, I got to go. Um, why do you think the F-150 is so important to America? It's really become a vehicle of choice because of its utility. Right. Um, you know, so a lot of road trips, the vehicle of choice these days is the pickup truck because it's so it, there's just so much you can do with it. It's, it's so versatile. We've talked about this on right? the show where I feel like the crew cab short box pickup truck the um, is America's vehicle the same way that back in the 60s and 70s it was the station wagon for that traditional mm-hmm. American driving experience. You can fit the whole family in it. You got plenty of room for your stuff. It's a traditional longitudinally mounted rear wheel drive, lots of windows. And I feel like the F-150, especially since Super Crew was launched in 2001, kind of took that crown from 
from station wagons and the maybe minivans from the 80s and 90s and really became America's truck for those reasons that you that you said. And I think that, you know, the invention of the crew cab and the half ton changed everything. When Super Crew came out, that was that was literally no cliche, a game changer for the industry. Absolutely. So uh, being on the engineering side, how much are you inspired by aftermarket? In that, do you go to the SEMA show personally? Do you walk around and see how other innovators, um, aspiring um, engineers, are using your product as a as a platform to come up with their own inventions? Is that something that you that you are personally inspired by, or do you or or do you think, oh, they can't improve my product, or do you think, well, that's really neat. We should either a do something similar or incorporate their ideas into the next generation of the F-150. Where do you stand on the aftermarket personally? It's a great partnership for us, right? Let me explain that, right? So we don't want to take it away from them. We want to work with them and we want to partner with them, right? Because as I told you, every customer uses their truck different ways, right? Because they do different things, right? Like my program manager, she has a horse, and she needs to trailer her horse around. She needs to service her horse with her truck. I have very different uses with my truck, right? You know, I do everyday activities. I carry cellos. I carry musical instruments, very different load cases, right? So the accessories is really that part that really enables us to customize our trucks for the individual use cases of our customers and make it form fit for them. And what we want to do with our trucks is always partner with accessories providers to make it easy for them to, to accessorize our trucks, right? To give them provisions or give them ways to easily fasten or secure their accessories to our trucks, right? And so that we can work in a symbiotic relationship and, and help each other out, right? Because there are just so many customers and use cases out there. We can't fulfill them all. We want our aftermarket uh, partners to help us do that as well. So it's very important. And you know, a lot of that we learn from our commercial commercial truck business as well, right? The upfitters is a very important part of our success. The reason why we're successful with our upfitters and so successful in our Ford Pro business is because we've made it very easy for our upfitters to put racks and bins, to put their you know vocational equipment into our work trucks. Similarly, we've taken a lot of those concepts for accessories and how do we make it easy to accessorize our pickup trucks. Milton, would you say that the F-150 is the most accessorized, modified pickup truck on the market? Mm, I knew you had to go there. I had to go there. Mm. I think it's uh, between us and Ranger, probably. I know Ranger also has a huge arsenal of accessories in their catalog, and so do we. Right? So, so uh, definitely Blue Oval, though. Yeah. You're, he's Don't saying, on it. <laughs> well, he's saying of the, you know, of, of the, the major manufacturers is the F-150, yeah. the most accessorized. You don't know this, vehicle. but Lightning and I have a thing going back and forth mm -hmm. where there's some data that from SEMA that said the F-150 was the most modified pickup. And uh, Lightning wanted mm -hmm. to change the parameters of that and then argue it. And well, so every time we have an expert on, we uh, we do this. I figured yeah, there's I'm, no I'm, better expert than the, the F-150. So, so, so I think that the <laughs> F-150, I agree that it is the most modified, but I think it's the most modified for, say, business reasons right for commercial use that type of thing and i and i i 
I think that there might be other brands that might be more accessorized for like off-road use or nope. personal use, fishing, things like Not that. According to the SEMA and data. You, well, so you try to prove me wrong every time, and I... <laughs> I, I don't know if Milton has the data handy, well, so I was just he may saying, not he, comment. He's the, uh, the, you know, being, uh, you know, the chief, he might know that his customers really like to He knows that they them. are accessorized, I think for he, sure. I think he's going right. to help you out with the 24, though, mm-hmm. because they incorporated so many things you no longer need to accessorize the 24 because yeah. it's so complete from the factory. <gasps> I know what he's I He's going to help you out. I, I'm not trying to gloss by this, but right. we have limited time with Milton, okay, because we're keeping, it's like 2 a.m. wherever he is, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, he's in Germany or somewhere. Um, no, he's not. <laughs> I'm just saying. Will you ask the question? The man's on the phone. America's truck. <laughs> I, know, I know. So, okay. Can we talk about guys who try to tune your vehicles? Is it, do we want to mm. go there, Holman? Or no? I mean, if Milton wants to go there, I, I, I would be curious what uh, Ford's uh, stance is on that. Because I, I know with uh, some of the new ECU, ECM architecture, and there are some aftermarket partners that you have allowed in to be able to do a Ford performance tuner. And there's other people in the aftermarket who are trying to gain access so that they can jump on the uh, that you know that bandwagon and make their own tunes and superchargers, uh, turbos, and 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 turn up the wick, if you will. How do you envision as a chief? Obviously, your your goals are to protect the vehicle and to protect Ford from warranty and liability, things like that. But is there room mm-hmm. for those folks to to come in and make these vehicles even more exciting? Depends what they want to do, right? So if you, get, if you try to get into electronics, that um, we're more protective of that because, you know, there's no telling where you can cause software glitches or incompatibilities, sure. right? So that's that's a lot more difficult. But, you know, if you're talking about suspension tuning and, you know, body kits, um, yeah, we know a lot of that. You know, we know that a lot of customers have their personal tastes, right? And they want to do that, you know, so we try to support as much as we can. So some will continue to get in that are authorized that have that have symbiotic relationships with Ford. And others and then, will try. And, and others will try and fail. We have a few of those, right? Yeah, yeah. Some, right. some great ones that are friends that of our we... show. Yeah. Holman, what was your closer? I I just wanted him to prove you wrong about F one fifty. That was it. Yeah, really? yeah, you went past my closer. You just want oh, really? You want yeah. to just just broil me? That was well, it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Okay. Well, I also wanted to know, you know, uh, uh, going back to why the F one fifty is so important to America, and I can't say how much we appreciate you uh, spending the time with us, Milton. And uh, it's really great my to pleasure. have someone who is at your level at some of the OEs to to join the show because I think it really humanizes the brands and allows people to go, oh. I can identify with that guy. It's not just like some corporate head that's making these decisions. There's actually real humans and people involved who really listen to their customers and want to do right by their customers and make the product better. And it's it's great to be able to hear a little bit of that inside story. And it sounds like, Milton, that you are kind of an entrepreneur, like kind of a – you drive the truck, you live the truck, you are a truck person. As Holman said, it's not like you're sitting in some ivy tower – making decisions from up high, you're living it. Yeah, we pride ourselves on, you know, the, the the reason why we can continue to innovate the pickup truck is we spend time with the customers, right? We go out, we talk to them, we live with them, we spend time with them, we go interview them, right? We go observe how they use their trucks, right? And so that's the way you learn, right? And, and, and we are users ourselves. The mobile office in our pickup truck. Right. I spend probably 10 hours a week working from my truck, and then I find the pain points and get people to correct it. 
Well, that's a lot of power right there. You're like, hey, <laughs> hey, Dave. Um, yeah, I, your implementation of this, no good. We need I, to fix that. I love the fact where he's like, the shift knob is in the way. Can yeah, you, so fold you can that make down? it fold. Yeah, right. And he's like, yeah, that's brilliant. Let's patent that. <laughs> yeah, that right. was a great. That's one of my favorite things ever. Just yeah, fold it down. Wait a minute. Yeah, Ford's folds down. Hello, I'm going to buy the truck for that reason alone. Because yeah, I do a lot of work and yeah. I need the, I need the workspace. Yeah. So. All right, give it up for Milton Wong, Chief Program Engineer right. at Ford for the F150. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Uh, again, we All really right. appreciate your time. I, I hope you can go to bed you bet. s- soundly and uh, and quickly tonight because we've completely ruined your schedule. No worries. <laughs> Thanks, Milton. All right. Thank you. All right. Have All a right. great day. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Talk to you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Holman, word on the street is that you've got some new parts that you're hankering to discuss. Well, not before you play that jingle. Welcome to the parts department. Screw. Nut. Filter. Oil, grill, tools, wheels, tires, brakes, lights, gears, belts, and your wife warns you not to, don't you spend our money, and then you'll want to come back. All right, so what you got? Did you bolt something onto the 392? What's what's new in the Holman house? Yeah, so I recently uh, put a roof rack on the uh, 392 as part of a uh, overarching uh, plan to uh, make the vehicle uh, be able to carry some of the stuff on the outside that I have in the inside so I can either uh, carry my kids or uh, if my wife will let me one of these years, finally get a dog. And she's like, well, if you get a dog, dog's got, dog's got to go on a trip with you. So wait, I'm like, wait, wait. I didn't know she was anti-dog. You had uh, a dog for years. No, I, this is the only period of my life I haven't had a dog uh, or or an animal, because I had uh, a cat that lived with me for a long time, too, uh, since I was, like, I don't know, 12 or something. So I'm, I'm having dog withdrawals. And so we lost all of our two cats and two dogs within, like, 20 months, all the cancer in old age. So that kind of wiped everybody and uh, I'm ready. She's not quite ready. Uh, my little one thinks she wants a cat, but we're not doing cats again. And uh, yeah, I'm cats trying. Suck. They suck. And I'm trying to. Although my uh, my big orange tabby Bogart, who I taught to pee in the toilet, was awesome. And <laughs> really? I actually, yeah, I actually made a sour beer, and the label was him peeing in the toilet. Was the beer label? Okay, it was awesome. How long ago was that? I don't recall that. Oh, it was probably probably 15 years ago oh. now. The rest of the cats, they all suck. So, no, we're not doing cats. So, anyway, uh, she's like, well, you know, I don't want to watch the dog all the time when you're gone and you travel and blah, blah. So, I need a dog that can come with me. So, I've been looking at different breeds and what would be a good, like, and I need, like, a, a nice medium-sized dog that can jump up into the Jeep, right? So, like, so do you want a co-pilot or the, or the yeah, kind of dog that's hangs out in the back seat? A co-pilot would be rad. And uh, I had a beagle and I had a, uh, a greyhound, and then uh, both of them uh, are gone now. So... It's been a few years, and I'm hankering, and so part of my master plan is if I can move out some stuff that currently sits inside the Jeep to the outside, I've got some room for a dog a dog. So, uh, well, it's all part of it. I realize that I can't- Very stealthy of you. I can't get to my, my through to my wife. So I'm slowly, slowly indoctrinating my six-year-old and uh, <laughs> making her, I'm like, oh, look at- So I show her- uh, puppy, that's, that's very crafty. Puppy pictures on Instagram. I ask her which side, and she said to me- I want a white and brown dog named Josh. And I'm like, listen, kid, if you can convince your mom that we need a dog. I'll name it Josh. I'll name whatever. <laughs> so Josh and I maybe have maybe a girl dog named Josh that, that we go hang out. So anyway, uh, I, I got- Why Josh, I wonder? I have no idea. Is there a cute boy? It's girl no, that she likes no, Josh or something? None of no. that. No, no, no it's, it's- Not a cartoon character? No idea. Huh. So anyway, uh, been trying to figure out on longer trips- um, 
I want to have my gear a little bit more organized. And right now I've got my Max Tracks boards, which are really hard to find a home. I had a great, I love it, Overland Kitted makes this bracket that hangs off your spare tire. But with the roof rack, I can put that on the roof. And I can also put some extra water up there because I hate having water inside because if it goes and leaks everywhere, that's With the Max Tracks, can you get in your garage though? Because it's no. ra- Okay. I can't get into my, I have about two inches to spare right now with the roof rack. So all this stuff has to be able to easily come off. That's where this new product comes in. So I'm looking for some secured storage. I'm looking for something that'll bolt to a roof rack. And lo and behold, you um, put on A. Holman bought A. Holman secured A something to the roof of his 392. <laughs> so if you what? head over to uh, lightnerdesign.com, Lightner Designs, that's L-E-I-T-N-E-R-D. We've had Bernard on the show before. And he makes incredible... Um, Cargo racks for trucks and a bunch of gear pods. Well, he has. I this- think the last time we had him on, I, uh, I, I, I salivated all over him. Oh, dude, Wait, because it's- his. You've seen racks all sorts, but his are next level. They look like they're built to go to Mars. Well, and they're they've got forged uprights and things like that. Lots of aluminum. So what he did was he came out with a whole new roof rack line and uh, for trucks and his racks and stuff, and he's slowly filling it out. So he came out with this cargo box. And so I know there's a lot of great cargo boxes out there. I think Rome, Pelican, those are all boxes that people think of. Well, Bernard approached the box and completely figured out everything that's wrong with them and then fixed it. What was wrong with them? Like, uh, what, what was what's the number one most obvious? Okay, so for me, I'm talking about I need to have the box be able to be taken off the vehicle, right? Because I need to get it in my garage. So set the stage. How are most boxes affixed? They have a mounting bracket, but typically the mounting bracket has uprights to it. And those uprights, when the box is gone, are still up in the windstream, and they look like you know unicorn horns or something. And they whistle, and they they get in the way, and all that kind of stuff. Well, Bernard has a universal bracket that stands up on the edges like only an inch. The box mounts into it and locks from the inside so nobody can remove your box unless they can get inside your box. His box also includes two T-handles with locks. So all the other boxes' locks are extra. And how did the other boxes... I'm trying to wrap my head around it. So the other boxes have uprights, but then how do they secure to the uprights? Are they locks on the outside? So there's there's padlocks that'll rattle. You can do it that way. There's a, a latching mechanism. Some of them you can use a ratchet strap, but when you use the ratchet strap, you have to unratchet them to open the top. There's a few of them that do have an opportunity where the top opens when they are latched down, but you still have to have that rattly padlock. So with his, they lock from the inside to the mounting bracket on the roof rack. When the box comes off, that roof rack mounting bracket is super low profile, so you don't even see it. And on top of all this, his box is completely different because it's structurally sound. It's made out of plastic, but it's it can hold, I want to say it's like 100 or 150 pounds on top of it. So he has the mounting pattern for mounting Max Tracks boards to the top of his box if you want to go tall or rotopacks. But the number one thing that he did that's completely different than everybody else, it opens from the side. So no oh. longer do you have to get on top of your vehicle. So everybody and look down and, and look try, down. Oh man! So if you're in a jeep like me, where you don't Wait have a minute, pay- so no little whittle ladder to get up. And no, look down. <laughs> no. So in a truck, usually it's mounted low, or you're in the pickup bed if it's on the roof, and you can access your stuff. On a jeep, there's nothing to do that. So you'd have to get a ladder to get up and crawl on your roof to open it up and look down. Well, his box opens from the side, so basically you can just put some soft bags in there and pull them straight out. 
Can you reach him? Uh, have you mounted and tested yeah. it yet? Okay. So do you have to open the door and get on the sill, and then, or do you? Can you reach it from the ground? I can't. I can't. No, I can. I just stand on the rock on the rock rail. Like it's. I mean, I can. I can reach it, but you know, pulling a bag out is easier, a little bit higher. But it's it's way better than having to, you know, get higher. So I have to reach down and feel, or pull, or even worse, pull the box off every time I want to pull something out of there because nobody wants to deal with that. But the fact that. His mount, all the, the secure hardware is on the inside of the box, on the floor of the box that mounts to the mount on the roof rack means that you have to cut the box open or, or destroy the box to get into the box to remove it. So from a security standpoint, he also has a really awesome dust bulb seal on it. Um, the boxes are, are I mean... How, how big are they? I, I'm, I haven't seen it. Your garage door wasn't open when I rolled in. So are, are you talking like... 24 by 36 or I can't I can't picture how large they are so it's 48 inches long so four feet it's 18 inches deep and then 12 inches tall so it's 110 quarts so if you do a cooler sizes mm-hmm. 110 quarts pretty big big cooler and on a Wrangler and most trucks you can fit two of them side by side no problem like even on a Tacoma they'll because they net they the uh, fronts open up you can put them back to back and they can be touching basically so two will fit side by side on the roof. Can you take the doors off and like nest them together so they're longer or no. like make a tube out of it basically? Nothing like no? that, no. Okay, okay. And then what if I have um, uprights on the back of a pickup truck and can I bolt them sideways? Kind of like you'd mount a gun or something. You know, do they, will they go vertically no, it, or no, are they it, just horizontal? No, it mounts from the bottom. So it has to be on a platform. But one of the cool things is he designed handles into the molding. So he's going to have a bracket for your wall. So when it's in your garage, when it's not on, you can just lift it up and then hang it oh, that's right trick. on the wall bracket. Yeah, that's pretty trick. cool. So, and then the door opens 115 degrees. So uh, including mounting hardware, they go for uh, $699, but uh, that includes the mounting bracket, the mounting hardware. So most of them, the other ones are like 500 bucks, 550 but then you have to spend another 100 bucks on the mounting plate and hardware. Then you have to go get padlocks for it. This is uh, made in America. And uh, I don't know that everybody else can claim the same, which is which is cool. So the price points I think is really good, weatherproof, dustproof, made in America, right here in Southern California. Awesome so you're product. sold, sold, sold. Yeah, sold. No, and I, I I think we talked about it when I had gone to we did we had the discussion yeah. before, but you hadn't actually you you yeah, had your used, hands on them. Used them. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. And, and I've been waiting because those are all pre-production, and so I got a production one, and I'm even more impressed with it than I was then. And having it on the Jeep, it just it looks right on there. So nice. I think. Holman and I have a great deal of respect for guys that just there's the type of manufacturers that build something just to fill a marketplace. Then there's the type of guys who design stuff to, to to beat someone else. Then there's the other one that's just building something that they believe in. They're like, I'm going to fix a problem that I had on the trail or I've got a problem with my engine and I'm going to fix it. And I feel like that's the Bernard Oh, yeah, right. That's sure. where he's just like, this is the way I, I want it to be. So I'm going to make it. And hopefully other people will appreciate well, it. Well, he and I were were talking with each other on uh, when I was over there and he had a uh, Ineos Grenadier. So he let me drive it. And the Grenadine. Uh, yes, the Grenadine. <laughs> and so uh, I'm going to get a chance to take it for a few days. So I can get a little bit better impression as soon as he's done doing some product for it. One of his customers, or did he buy no, one? No, no, he bought one. What? Yeah. So we, he's like, "Hey, let's go drive it." So and he's like, "Hey, if you want to come out and take it for a few days, like be my guest." He goes, "I want, I want you to get behind the wheel and experience." I was like, "Awesome!" Since the people at Ineos have no idea how to get a hold of them, I feel like we uh, need to do a podcast from the desert. In that. We we could. He he would be fine with that. And we were talking about different things, uh, products other people were making, what he's making for it and stuff. And it was funny because he's like, you know, I said, "Well, are you going to do this certain product that I've seen?" He goes. I would never use it that way. So, nah, I'm not really interested. 
He doesn't care if it sells or not. He wants. He basically has a company making stuff for him. And he's like, and if people like what I like, they're going to like my product. I mean, I, I work for one of those guys. <laughs> there you it's go. It's like, it doesn't matter how many people ask for it. He's like, nah, it doesn't float my boat. They're like, wait, but that could be a cash cow. He goes, nah, yeah, just, not just so much. Not interested. Not interested. Yeah, that's a nice luxury to have. All right, so uh, five stars for uh, uh, the Lightner. What is he calling it's the box the, again? A- the ACS Roof. ACS Roof. Yeah. Okay, so five stars for the ACS Roof Love from it. Lightner Designs. Yeah, if you're looking for cargo boxes for your Overlander, for your truck, definitely go uh, check out LightnerDesigns.com. I feel like, uh, Holman, it's been a minute since we've done email. Is that true? Uh, it's actually uh, been uh, a year. The last time we did it was last year. Before Christmas. Oh, well, maybe not a year ago, but uh, a yeah, couple weeks year. ago. Sure. Okay. You email. Yeah. I email. Do it. We email. That's right. Everybody email. Type it up. You email. Proofread. I email. Send it. We email. Click it. Everybody email. Lightning at truckshowpodcast.com. Holman at truckshowpodcast.com. Or the general mailbox, which is truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. You got three boxes to choose from. Send choose, some mail to choose, one of them. Choose the uh, truck show one, please. Yes, please. <laughs> no, I, oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, just just <laughs> truckshowpodcast at gmail.com will make it easy for you. No, if they send them to me, I, I'm on that thing like every day. Well, that's if they're sliding into uh, <clears throat> DMs. No, 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 no. I'm talking about lightning at truckshowpodcast.com. No, no, I meant what they slide into DMs. You could also, they could email you for those types of things as well. If you're looking for some banks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you need uh, some yeah. some hookups mm-hmm. on some some banks, fanatics. Mm-hmm. Wait, fanatics? What is that? I, I just no, made up I'm, a word. Yeah, that was it weird. Happens. Am I starting? Uh, all right, so maybe this time, subject line from Nick Lawn from Dirty Jersey. I've sent a few pics of Nissan Frontiers. Maybe you didn't get them, or maybe you got something against us East Coast guys. Must be the California pompousness. I figured I'd just keep sending them, and eventually I'll get a sticker. So, Nick. I don't know why I didn't send you a sticker, but this email right here is not going to get you a sticker either. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm going to send you one, Nick. Thank you very much. And uh, there it is. This, I can't tell. Holman, can you see it? It's a, he's taken a photo of a Frontier out of his windshield, but there's, oh, it's a big rig in front of the other Frontier. Yes. Yeah, I got it. Okay. Got it. That qualifies. Uh, that definitely qualifies. Thank you for the email. And and look, we're still doing it, and I got some more stickers. So if you guys spot a Nissan Frontier out of your windshield, shoot it, send it to us in the form of an email, and I will send you a Truck Show Podcast sticker or two. While supplies last. Okay, uh, I got this one from Jonathan Albrecht. says, uh, gross vehicle weight rating versus payload rating. says, I'm trying to wrap my head around the quote-unquote payload ratings on Jeep and Ram vehicles and wondering if you could provide some insight. My 18 Grand Cherokee, for example, has a gross vehicle weight rating, GVWR, of 6,800 pounds, but it scales at 50-50. You'd think I would have a payload of around 1,750, but the tire and load information placard says 1050. The manual states this is the total capacity, including driver. I've seen this discrepancy, though usually not as large, on many Jeep and Ram vehicles and forums and on YouTube. Any chance you can phone a friend inside Stellantis and get a detailed explanation a real-world case, me and a friend, back uh, full of gear, towing a trailer, loaded trailer weight of 6060. With the weight distributing hitch installed, front is uh, 2800, rear 3500, trailer's 5480, total vehicle weight 6300, which is 200 pounds over the payload, but 500 pounds under gross vehicle weight rating and well within the gross axle weight ratings. So he wants me to tell him that uh, how to read those. So um, here's the deal. The only number that really matters is your gross vehicle weight rating minus 
what you scale at. So that is that is going to tell you your payload. Now, if that's your payload without driver and gas and all that, or depending however much you know fuel you have in it. So I would always recommend scaling with you in it and a full tank of gas so that you can at least be as, as close as possible. And even better, if you scale it at full road trip weight, because that'll allow you to know, you know, do you, can you add some more? Do you want to take some out, et cetera? So here's what he's talking about. On uh, a lot of vehicles, there's a payload sticker that goes with the tires, and that doesn't always align with the gross vehicle weight rating and what you weigh the vehicle at that goes on your VIN sticker in the door. So here's the deal. If you take that 6,800 pounds minus the uh, Fifty fifty, and you get seventeen hundred pounds, and that's as as payload. But the information placard says ten fifty. Remember that that should also include two passengers and a full tank of gas, and also whatever options your vehicle came with. So your gross vehicle weight rating is for the entire class of that vehicle. So it's all versions of that you know engine, four wheel drive, whatever Grand Cherokee. And then yours is less because if you have a, a highly loaded version like an Overland or a Summit, that's going to have more equipment. It's going to have a sunroof, full glass roof. It's going to have power seats. All of those take and get you closer to that information placard that's at 1050. That being said, I've often seen that tire placard be two, three, even four or 500 pounds off of what you should be that much. with payload. I think the reason for that is because that is the tires at the PSI that they specify for the vehicle. Ah. So the vehicle can take more, but at that 35 PSI or whatever it is, that's the weight that you can take in payload. Because typically your tires will be max PSI 55, 60, 80 PSI. But most manufacturers will have you at 35 PSI, 39 PSI, something like that. So what he's not taking into account is if he were to inflate his tires to the max PSI, then he would be able to use all of that payload that's the difference between his gross vehicle weight and his um, measured or scaled weight. Make sense? It does make clears, sense. Clears mud? As you were, no, no, it does, it does make sense, and I appreciate you uh, clearing that up. Uh, as you were saying that, I thought you mentioned something like make sure you've got a full tank of gas, and I thought... I wonder how many people know how much fuel actually weighs because it's heavier. It's I think about, than most people. Yeah, it's like seven and a half pounds a gallon. So it's so gasoline yeah. is six pounds six, yep. per per gallon. And diesel and seven. Diesel is seven point one. Yeah. And uh, it's heavier than you might think. Yeah, I mean, right there on that gas tank, that's about one hundred and forty pounds of, of fuel right there. Right. So that's going to obviously dig into your payload as well. So just when you're when you're doing it, just remember um, your tires are always going to have way more capacity per tire, and when you add up all four, then what your gross vehicle weight rating, it's always going to be like that. So you'll never be able to, if you stay, stick with gross vehicle weight rating, you'll never overload your tires because it just you just won't. But remember, if you scale your vehicle and you're over what the manufacturer says your payload is, but you're under gross vehicle weight rating, just remember to air up your tires to make sure that they have enough air pressure to carry that load. But how do you know, though? So you brought up a great point. Like on my truck with my Toyo um, Open Country RT Trails, the nominal pressure that it calls for on the placard is 38, but I believe that they take up to 65, which is really, I, I could be wrong, I think it was 65 on the sidewall of the tire, which is max, cold uh, tire pressure, right? At 65 PSI, holy mackerel, they'd be, just be rock hard. 
but I have to be fully loaded down. Under what circumstance would I need 65 PSI? If you're rolling at gross vehicle weight rating, like you've got fully loaded down towing a trailer, but, I would but, air you up. But the tire manufacturer, like Toyo in yeah. this example, mm-hmm. doesn't know what my truck is rated for. The tires don't care. That's not that's not the point. But, 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 but the tire at 65 PSI might... Be, it might hold 9,000 pounds exactly. and, and your truck's at 65. Bingo. My point is you just need to have your inflation commensurate it with the weight that you carry. But how do you know? That's the, that's well, it's the no different question. than airing down off-road. You can do a chalk test on it. You can you know rub chalk on your tread, roll forward, and if it doesn't go all the way across, it's overinflated. If it cups in the middle or it is on the sidewall, it's underinflated. So just like it works for airing down, it still works for airing up as oh. well. Hmm. Okay. All right. Subject line is uh, check it out from Howard Nickland. Oh, I think I know Howard. So what's up, Holman and Lightning? No, Lightning and Holman, once and for all. Haven't emailed you guys in quite a while. This one is twofold. First thing, check out what I got from Amsoil. Scott Birdsall's Old Smoky, 164th scale. So cool. See photo below. Yeah, I uh, have one of those sitting on my desk at home. And... Uh, it not street machines i think is a little diecast yeah. toy that made uh i'm trying to yeah scott actually sent me um the hookup for his street machine contact so we can do one of lockjaw which i'm i'm trying to do so uh, and i was surprised gail actually gail asked me to pursue that he's like really do you think we, you know he saw scott's oh, i felt like he thought he one up or something he had to be part of the club I'm going to try one. I'm going to see if they can do an articulating bed and hood. That would be cool. I don't know if they can pull it off. That would be a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, Second, I'd like to ask Sean a question about a personalized plate, since he seems to be so good at thinking them up. All right. So, uh, Holman, get your your pen out. And here comes the question from Howard. Um, I want a plate for my truck, but I have been uh, racking my brain to come up with a cool one. It's a SoCal 21 Tradesman Power Wagon in hydro blue. All my video game screen names are Mopar Punk. So I'm a huge Mopar fan and a punk rocker at heart. Oh, also, I'm Howard the Fourth, born on the fourth month of the fourth day, and 44 is my number. See if you can intertwine those things to come up with a good plate. Thanks for the help. Yeah, buddy. P.S. Lightning, I'm the guy who bought your ARB onboard compressor, and it's amazing. Uh, so, Howard, thank you for that. I appreciate you picking up my spare ARB, and I'll do a Emmy for him. Yeah, buddy. So, Holman, uh, you want some time to think about this, or you got something with SoCal? You got uh, something with Blue? How about Punk Wagon? Video get Punk Wagon. P-U-N-K-W-G-N? Punk wagon. Hmm. Or could you do uh, hmm. some 44? <laughs> some 44 like the band? <laughs> I was some some 41, which is the band you're you're taking off. I, they weren't not really punk. They were very popish. And by the way, they have come back out of nowhere. Are you aware of that? Yes. They've got a new single like a, a month or so ago. And it actually is pretty good. It's, yeah. it's better than the Blink-182 new single, I'll tell you that. No, I love... You're talking about the ballad? No, I'm talking about um, edging. Oh, I don't like yeah, edging, it was, it but their their ballad where they're singing like I, I love you to each oh, other. I haven't heard that one. It's yet. sappy Is and it? really good. Well, the Sum Forty One one is solid. I was like, dude, uh, I don't know. I gotta, I, I have to noodle. That's a lot of things, but none of them go together. I don't know, Howard. Uh, Holman's gonna noodle on this over the next couple of days, and maybe we'll shoot you an email and uh, let you know what he comes up with. Uh, all right, so I got this one from Jeff Stevens. Says. Uh, Oh, this was our friend who sent in a Know Your Note, and he didn't send... Apparently, I didn't read the files because the files had uh, hints as to what they were uh, in the file naming. So he said uh, the first one, which... Do you remember what we guessed the first one was? Uh, it was, it was uh, Cum- Cummins? 5-9 Cummins, right? 2007 Dodge 2500 5-9 Cummins! What? 
<laughs> and then the second one, we were all over the map on that one. Uh, that was a 2024 F-257-3 uh, Godzilla. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah that, I would never would have guessed. No, because we just were not around them enough. As, as weird as, as great a truck as that is, we just don't see that many of them around. I see one every day because my Do friend you? Mark drives one. Well, okay, so forget <laughs> Mark. Do you see other ones? Uh, yeah, they're out there. But yeah. you don't really go like, oh, hey, look, that's a seven three. I, the I do, I do because I always look at the tailpipe. The tailpipe. The I always, way, I'm yeah. always curious, and so that's just one of those. It things. It is better though that they don't have that awful twin, you know, the, on the diesel, the six yeah. seven. That thing just looks ridiculous, and they point it up like it's it, yeah, everything it's is weird. bad about the six seven exhaust. So he says, uh, thanks for the truck recommendation for the seven three and the four thirty gears. Uh, they're great. So that's awesome. So that that's a uh, a listener who was curious and has listened to me pontificate on seven three gas. Like if you're if you don't need thirty thousand pounds of towing, don't get the diesel. I know Lightning's probably going to disagree with me on that, but no, if no, you're no, not no, working no, with the no, engine no, man, that's... no, no, this is one of those ones where you and I saw eye yeah. to eye because, and also for the guy that's just he he doesn't use it for heavy towing and he's it's a daily. Yeah, it's perfect because you don't have any of the DPF issues. Yep. Yeah, they're they're great, except for maybe the <clears throat> trans. I heard a few of them. Oh, is if that you true? Over, if you overwork them. I've heard some issues, maybe. When you say overwork, you mean like like full, like trying to pull 30,000 pounds or just well, trying to pull a travel trailer? Maybe trying to do diesel things. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Hmm. The thing is, the truck will do it. But the trans won't? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Oh, now, this one actually is interesting. It came through uh, truckshowpodcast.com. You actually can submit email through our website, although most people don't. He did. So Jesse got creative and found us at truckshowpodcast.com. Sean. I recently jumped into the Jeep world and purchased a 2017 Wrangler. It came with a mild lift and 35s. However, like every vehicle, it's lacking in the power department. What are the best bang for the buck for upgrades? And yes, Lightning, I have been looking at the bank's products. Could I possibly get a new Truck Show podcast sticker for my new ride? Thanks, guys. Love the show. It's a great start to my Monday mornings. And thank you, Jesse from Texas. Uh, a couple of questions. So, Holman, you go first. Yeah, so uh, basically on that engine, there's not a whole lot you're going to be able to do. Uh, there's several really good cat-back exhausts. There's uh, several really good cold air intakes. And then maybe a mild tune might get you 20, 23 horsepower, something like that, with uh, premium fuel. Uh, the only other thing I would say is you're only running 35, so with the five-speed, uh, what year was it? 2017. So that means he's got the... He's the got the Pentastar three, 36. Yeah, 36, right? But what I'm saying is the JLs have a 8-speed. He's got the old 5-speed. So 35s are kind of the edge of where you could not have to re-gear it. So if he's at altitude, I'd say re-gear. If you're not at altitude, probably not necessary. Intake, exhaust, tuner is about all you're going to get out of that. And even at the tuner, you're talking it, like single digits, nah, right? I think, you, Eleven? I, think tw- I think it's 20-ish. Really? That yeah, much? So they're so. just advancing the timing? What are they doing? Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of... I, I don't I don't know there's everybody There's not that many knobs. Phase. You no. can't just turn up the boost. There is no boost. No, no. It's just a regular old... You know, it's already an efficient V6. Anyway, so Banks, I was going to say the intake, because it has the Helmholtz uh, resonator on the intake. So... The Banks product is probably my favorite intake for that particular vehicle. There's some other ones out there, but you're going to have the resonator so it doesn't drone. You get the bigger airbox. You get the Banks filter. Uh, I think that product is one of the best thought-out ones for a, a 3.6. And again, there's other ones. Uh, I was going to say a cat-back exhaust. There's several on the market. Uh, Banks does make one. So I would say that if you wanted to do that, you could probably slide into some DMs with uh, your, your your man Lightning here and maybe get a Truck Show podcast discount. And if you were to buy those, I bet some stickers would fall into the box for you. I could do That's that. That's basically what I'm saying. Yeah. So congrats on the new Jeep. Uh, I mean, the uh, new to you Jeep. Uh, let's get a sticker on it. All right, Holman, I'm going to... Uh... 
blow the dust off this bit here. <laughs> We've got oh, some. Boy. Uh, we got some uh, reviews to read to y'all. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five. 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 Stars. Five stars. Right back at you, brother. Oh, that was no. pretty close. No, it wasn't. I couldn't even remember what the like words a were. Full half second. Here we go. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five. 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 Stars. Five stars. Right back at you, brother. It's closer. Uh, I mean, not perfect. You're rusty. I haven't heard this yours, one. You're as dusty as uh, as the bit. Did you know we have 1,052 <laughs> reviews? No way. Yeah. It's been a minute since we've checked in. Uh, yeah, please leave us a five-star review on the Apple Podcast app or Spotify. This one's here uh, from Wheeler Freak. Uh, it says, great show. It says, I've been a listener from episode one and can honestly say it's uh, a podcast. Oh, come on. <laughs> it's better than just a podcast. Says, uh, lights- I will have you guys know that we are on the top percentile, whatever that means. Yeah, which uh, percentile? Like, well, hold on. There's, according to Apple, there's like 600,000 active po- podcasts. Like and we're in the, like, the top 1% or 2% or something well, like no, that. Uh, if you do the, uh, the global scale through Chartable, which is the top 5,000 podcasts in the top 20 countries, we are globally on the top 200 list. Which is weird. That's super That's pretty strong, cool, right? Yeah, congratulations yes. to us. All right. Uh, anyway, he says, uh, <laughs> Jesus. What? Uh, lightsaber and Holdshot do a fair to middling job that's aided greatly by their awesome guests. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. No, I mean, we definitely bring in people to prop us up. He says, uh, the drawback to the show is me spending money on products they have interviewed guests about. Yes. He says, uh, keep up the average job, fellas, and uh, remember, <laughs> everything matters. Thanks for watching, and remember, everything matters. Sure does. And... Five stars. All right, we got this one from uh, Toyo Freak. He says, you guys are the best. And uh, he says, I'm on the road about 50 plus hours a week for work. I love listening to your guys' podcast to pass the time. Funny, informative, and great guest interviews. I even love the, uh, he says quirky, I think he means quirky Quirky. introduction music and the uhs you guys do in sync. I think he's talking about uh, when we do uh, truck review. And he says, truck review. I got to do it. Yeah. Roll the golden dragon. Ah! Now we're off. Now we're way yeah, off. Well, oh, it, it was, we took vacation, so. Uh, it says, you guys are talented. Highly recommend this podcast to anyone. Keep up the great work and mount those parameters. For those seeking a monitor, only the brand Oh, damn, I played the long one. You want to do it? Just keep it going. Now available for Dodge Cummins. It has a full five-inch color display with a captive touch. It's quick to start and magnetic mount allows you effortlessly <laughs> oh man, I forgot about the uh, captive touch. The captive, the capacitive. Like, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, <laughs> Toyo Freak, thank you. And five, five stars. stars. <laughs> got this one. It says, excellent podcast from Jeej to Four. She says, uh, I'm not a motorhead, but I do appreciate the info and fun on this podcast. And five stars. Uh, this one came in from uh, Little C760. That sounds like a little gangster, name, uh, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, kind of does. What's up, Isai? He says, uh, podcast you must listen to. He says, Sean and Lightning are... In- I like how everybody's calling Why? me Sean now, and you're Lightning. <laughs> I know, but it was But for a Jay while, it was Jay and, and Holman. Holman. I don't know. You guys are weird. Sean and Lightning are industry legends. Oh. Mm, suspect. <laughs> that humbly... What? What? This, is, this has to be... He's, he's, he's goofing on us, right? I don't know. Keep okay. reading. Sean and Lightning are industry legends that humbly bring you amazing guests to every episode. They cover important topics, events, and the constant changes happening in our automotive industry... You don't have to own a truck to listen. 
All content is still relatable, funny, informative, and educational. No. I don't, that's wrong show. Yeah, what show is that? Anyway, <laughs> five, five stars. stars. We'll, we'll take it. And uh, one more to uh, start off the new year. By the way, this was the uh, the first review of the new year. And this is from C5 Rep. says, got a new work phone, so I made sure to give you guys a five-star rating. That's right. All you people who got new phones for Christmas, just go into the old Apple podcast and uh, hook a brother or two up. Uh, great podcast. I've listened to every episode, good or bad. <laughs> Look forward to Monday to hear the newest one as I drive around Southern California, a sales rep for a small, heavy equipment rental yard. I sent you guys the Frontier spotting pick for my work truck while I was piloting our DA to LAX. Keep up the suckage. You can hear it sucking. Sorry. And five stars. All right. If you guys want to leave us a five-star review, head over to the Apple Podcast app, or you can uh, do that on Spotify now. Home of the truckshowpodcast.com, me, lightning at truckshowpodcast.com, or hit us at the general email inbox at truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. The Truck Show, The Truck Show, The Truck Show, oh, oh. And we haven't heard from you in the new year, so uh, give us a call, 657-205-6105. That is the five-star hotline, if you uh, can't remember that. Head over to our Instagram at Truck Show Podcast. Just hit the uh, button at the top of our profile, and it'll uh, call the old phone there. Or you can reach me at Sean P. Holman or uh, Lightning at LBC Lightning. And you can find us uh, on Facebook, Instagram, all those great places. Uh, also, don't forget to visit our website, truckshowpodcast.com. And on that website, you'll find our awesome events calendar. If you guys have events that are coming up, please send them to truckshowpodcast at gmail.com, and uh, Lightning will uh, gratuitously and uh, without charge load you up on our truck and off-road calendar. Events, big or small, we want to be the epicenter for all events. We want to be the calendar for the entire industry, truckshowpodcast.com. And last but not least, 657-205-6105. We want to hear from you. Oh, wait, I already did that. That's Do it fine. again. 657-205-6105. There we go. Man, there's so much going on. Oh, and uh, of course, uh, don't forget to uh, leave us a review because uh, that ex- incredibly, extremely helps the show out in uh, discoverability. And uh, we're going on year six now. I know a lot of you have been with us for that long. My, my youngest daughter just turned six. And I realized we've been doing this show since my wife was pregnant. So this show is as old as my kid. That's weird. It is weird, right? Your kids weren't even in high school yet, and now they're off to college. Yeah, yeah. My oldest is that's super weird, right? My when you put is it that a way, senior in college, and my youngest is a freshman. Super, super weird. weird. Yeah, super weird. So yeah. okay. anyway, uh, I, thank I, you. For, no, hold on a second. Hold on. Thank you guys for sticking with us through six years. That's uh, and and if you're new to the show. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Well, we'll have a thank you for you in about six years. No, another I'm just episode. saying sorry for the suckage. I mean, there's I, listen, nothing we can do about I it. I hope we're here for 10 and we can have a uh, diamond jubilee. Oh, wait, what's, what's no, 10? I don't know. That's uh, lead? Diamond is 100. Lead. Oh, dude, That's we're doing a, a diamond jubilee. <laughs> oh, my God. Think of how many listeners we'll have by then. Uh, like four uh, and they'll all be in walkers. 100 years? You mean you and I are 100 well, years old? We'll, we'll have no. replacements by no. then. I'm like, or, or we'll be like those cryogenic heads on like uh, animatron robot bodies or something like that. I'm not gonna make make it past sixty. Yeah, I'm 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 struggling with my forties right now. So, hey, we got probably five years left for the show, guys. I, it's so weird. Like, we I, might I, hit ten. I go to work and I'm like, Gail is in May. He's gonna be eighty two. He's fit as fiddle. Yeah, sharp as a tack. And I'm like, dude, I'm I'm in my early fifties. Mm-hmm. How early? And. I ju- Not as early as last year. You want to do fine, whatever. I'm 53. There you go. Does it make you feel better? No, it doesn't. <laughs> well, not, not at all. You keep egging me on. There it is. All right, you guys know how old I am. Whatever. 
not a chick. I don't really care about my age that much, but just home over here trying to make me feel old. But like, dude, Gail's got 30 years on me. I can't even wrap my head around that. I'm going to be dead at 65. Don't you think? Look that at me. That's conservative. <laughs> yeah, that's <what> I mean. <laughs> uh, if one of us doesn't kill the other one at, at some point before then. I think Possible. I think this show has another four years left in it. <laughs> I, I think we get to 10? That's that would be cool getting that's to 10. That's the goal. Then yeah. at that point, we'll be in the podcast uh, hall of fame. I want to know what you guys think of our new secondary episode, our midweek episode. What do you think? Is it good? Is it well, bad? Do you care? Like, I can tell you the uh, downloads for the first one. The ratings one, are good. Yes. We're good. Yeah, we had a ton, ton of downloads. In fact... If you look at the downloads on the first day from our regular long-form show and the downloads on the short-form, the same people came back for number two. That's awesome. Which is really rad. So That's great. Thank you, everybody, for uh for Oh, you know what? It's because we suck less. Nope. No, we don't. No, no we it's, don't. Damn it's it. actually we suck more Damn because it. there is another Damn. opportunity to, okay. to suck. Gotcha. So, anyway, all right. Well, guys, we have so many guests lined up for the next two months. Like, we actually are, like, booked out. We have probably... 15 people that are either booked or in the can. Like, we have so many people. There's so much good content. I was on the phone with a guy from IGLA, IGLA. And it's funny because I don't know which one it is, and nor did the guy who works for the company. But I was fascinated with this alarm company because it seems to be the only one that can keep Mopar vehicles from getting stolen. No joke. Like, and I've been doing my research because there was one that was stolen about... Uh, two weeks ago in what, you know where Carson is, it's yep. one city over from Long Beach where I live, stolen, I looked at the at the, the um, at his pictures that he took out of his ring camera and it was just like my house. I'm like, oh crap, they're going to come get mine. So I'm freaking out. I'm like, CompuStar, Viper, I'm going through all the brands and everyone is saying Igla, 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 Igla. Needless to say, Lightning found the guy. We're going to have him on the show. We've also got- No, no, I want to tell, what I'm telling you, Holman, is that I, I, I got him on. I gave him the link to sign up to, and he's like, oh- that one's taken. I'm like, what about this date? He goes, that one's taken. I said, what about that date? What yeah. about mid-February? He's like, dude, your, your thing's full. I said, choose dude, whatever we, thing. We've been working to get uh, Edison on the show. I know you guys have been asking a lot. You guys emailed on them, and I was talking to the CEO, and he went to pick a date. He goes, well, dude, you guys are filled out through like the end of February. I'm like, yeah, busy start to the year. But I, And I told him, I go, if you want to stay late one night, we'll we'll put in a, a, an extra slot for you. So anyway, we've got our friends from Baja Forge. We've got our uh, a friend Matt from uh, Tread Lightly, Tim Esterdahl from Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk. We've got our buddy Stephen Watson coming back. We've got GM's engineers on uh, the, the Bison trucks, this uh, Multimatic uh, Heavy Duty, uh, and uh, suspension engineers uh, for the, the new full-size trucks. We've got um, some drives coming up. We've got, uh, I mean, I just, Holman oh, and, oh, oh, oh. and I in a Grena, Grenadine. Grenadier, maybe. Yes, oh, yes. We, we got uh, a representative from Iowa 80 coming on, too, to talk about the world's biggest truck stop. So, guys, we, I'm telling you, we have, we're chock full of content to start the year, and we can't wait to get these episodes out to you. So, stick with us, and uh, looking forward to a great 2024. We love you all. You know what? Uh, that's why Nissan is on board, because they know that as much as we suck, our guests are awesome. So support them by heading over to NissanUSA.com using the Build and Price tool or head on down to your local Nissan dealer where you can uh, pick up a Titan, Titan XT, or a Frontier. And when you want your diesel pickup truck to breathe easier, head to BanksPower.com, type in your year, make, and model, and find the 5-inch monster exhaust for your truck. 5-inch doesn't sound like a monster to me. 
The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Truck Famous LLC. This podcast was created by Sean Homan and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please open your Apple Podcast or Spotify app and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan, there's no better way to show your support than by patronizing our sponsors. Some vehicles may have been harmed during the making of this podcast.